0: Are you tired of stressing out about your marketing, wondering how to boost your online presence, attract more clients, and become a go-to expert in your field? You're in the right place. Welcome to the Marketing Chat Podcast. I'm Kelly. I'm a marketing strategist, podcast coach, and the best-selling author of the Podcast Launch Playbook. I'm here to help you get moving with your marketing with way less stress and way more fun. Today I'm chatting with Bant Brain about how our online presence affects our business. Toward the end of the interview, Bant says that his company Canary helps their clients quote, give people a voice with the audiences that matter to them. I love this so much. I'm going to repeat that quote so that you really get it. They give people a voice with the audiences that matter to them. I really want you to keep that last part in mind about the audiences that matter to them when this podcast rebrands in a couple of weeks to the podcast launchpad, because that's exactly what you're doing with your own podcast. You're speaking directly to your ideal listener, which overlaps with your ideal client. So I'll bring up this quote again in the future. It's just so good. So in this interview with Bant, we're talking about the power of video, LinkedIn, and Twitter. We chat about how much things have changed during the pandemic, and we discuss some steps for taking some control over your online presence and your online reputation. Enjoy the conversation. In 2012, Bant Brain founded Canary, that's Q N A R Y, an award winning reputation management and talent branding solutions company for professionals brands, and enterprises. Canary was listed as one of the 5,000 fastest growing companies in America by Inc. Magazine and was also listed as one of the 360 best companies by Entrepreneur Magazine in 2018 and 2019. Band now serves as Canary's executive chairman and leads the company's board of directors. Welcome, Band. I am so happy to have you here today.
1: It's great to be here, Kelly. Thanks so much for having me.
0: Absolutely. So in 2018, you published an award-winning paper on executive
1: reputation.
0: What are some things that affect our online reputation?
1: Yeah, uh, you know, the great thing about that paper, so we did that paper in connection with Emerson College and Blancarnae, which is a university in Barcelona in Spain. And um, we've actually done, we've done it now for five years. So this will be the fifth year right now. And um, it's, it's become now literally the largest global study on online presence, executive online presence. And we kind of focus on that idea of presence, you know, the, the The general thesis of what we do as a company has always been that uh, we all have an online presence and it matters. It matters in terms of your personal or professional reputation it matters in terms of its impact on the reputation of the business that you're part of it matters in terms of the opportunities that you receive and it matters in terms of the opportunities that your business receives and so you know what what we found over the last couple of years is that over when we did the first study the one that you're referring to linkedin was king it was all about linkedin uh, and uh, I think that, I can't remember the percentages, but uh, certainly that was the one channel where people had felt that that was where they had placed the majority of their their effort, if they had placed any effort, on building a professional on, online presence. And this is over, for executives or or? Exactly, okay. executives. What's changed over the last several years is that well, LinkedIn still is a Goliath. Um, the the channels Uh, that matter have have shifted the sophistication of executives in understanding the importance of managing their online presence has become more sophisticated as well. And so we see them active in a variety of other channels. Um, In fact, I'd say the biggest insight over the last year has been the emergence of video. What we find is that from the research study, we found that a lot of executives either before or after they meet someone they go online and they look up videos of that person and it it acts perhaps it's like the human voyeuristic uh, qualities of us all but uh, perhaps it's also just a verification validation uh, effort and so videos become a bigger part of what we deliver for our our customers Mm -hmm. and um, and 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 so we kind of marry that with the thought leadership and that seems to work quite well
0: that's awesome. Yeah, video is huge. I know, I do like to see some video of people after I've met them or when I'm thinking <laughs> about working with them in particular or hiring someone yeah. because I want to see like what's their personality? How do they really come across? Yeah. And I I listen to their podcasts if they have a podcast because that's really great but more people are turning their podcast episodes into video episodes like I do yeah and so not only do you hear their voice obviously but you really see their presence yeah and 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 yeah and
1: and you kind of can see sometimes if it's a longer form thing how they think uh how they react to certain types of challenges it's it's good. It, it, it is it is important. And uh, strangely enough, in this post-pandemic world or almost post-pandemic world, let's say, that right. we live in, you know, we're all vi- on video constantly now, right? And yes. so I think it does perhaps matter in that regard as well.
0: Yeah. And you never know what is going to happen with a video like the Zoom meetings that right. we're in. You know, we can be told, okay, this is confidential, it's not going anywhere, blah, blah, blah. but you just don't know. If it's being recorded, someone mm. has that recording. <laughs> you, you don't know. And people at home, you know, if you're on a Mac, someone can be using their QuickTime screen record or something else. You don't know what's going on yeah so, that's
1: probably a valid that's a valid concern um i i i I know that i mean at least we try to say that if 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 a meeting is recorded so uh, during the pandemic we did all of our board meetings virtually and we would record them you know for because uh, we'd have to do a transcript of the board call yeah. um, I think that's probably pretty normal, but generally speaking, I try to avoid. <laughs> recording too many of those. Oh, things. sure. You know, it's, it's a fascinating thing, you know, because during this kind of process of interacting in the Zoom thing, in some ways, I think when we all started, we thought it was going to be more impersonal. Oh, it's technology. But I actually feel more connected than ever with the people that I act interact with virtually. I I feel like they understand my routines in my home. They I understand their routines. I know their pets. I know their kids. I, <laughs> yes. You know, you, they become a more complete human human being, which is, mm-hmm. I think that's wonderful. And um, you know, I think that probably that's one of the generational shifts. The other thing, you know, you asked me about the study is. As millennials and millennials now are in their early 40s, are as they become, I'd say, uh, leaders in their companies, leaders in their organizations, they are not changing their media habits so they've grown up millennials are really the Instagram generation Mm -hmm. and so they don't really love the TikTok it's funny actually to see how they're like rebelling against TikTok (laughs) they're like oh that crazy thing and you know they don't want their Instagram messed with but um, they like more imagery Uh, they like telling visual stories it's It's a different way of of putting a narrative together. And that's been one of the things that we've been doing more of as well. So Instagram's become what I get. Whereas when we started in 2018, we would have said it's primarily a personal channel
0: Mm.
1: for I'd say a good 30, 40% of our business verticals that we operate in. It's becoming one of the ones that is very popular.
0: That makes sense, especially with reels because yeah. reels are public someone yeah. doesn't have to follow you to see your reel there's a chance that'll pop up in their feed and yeah. not as sponsored but just organically so
1: yeah but you know you'd totally be surprised sense. some channels that i think that people are are get frustrated about because we we primarily read about them in a political context or when elon musk does something insane uh is uh is twitter and in fact Twitter's more important than ever in in my world because uh the reality is that from a technological perspective more people track the information on Twitter for trends and mm-hmm. and and for people that they invite to be speakers and things like that than other channels so it's it's still it's still an extremely if not maybe even more an, uh, important medium now so
0: that makes sense. And yeah. I I've noticed that too, about what's trending on Twitter. And that really does seem to dictate trends
1: in general. Well, and- it shouldn't Yeah. Apologies. It, it shouldn't yeah. surprise me. It doesn't surprise me so much primarily because and I don't want to kind of geek out on it. But mm-hmm. but the reality is that Twitter always made their access to their data. Much easier for developers uh, to, to access. And so, so, a lot of the people that built the tracking systems for information built it off of Twitter data. And so they have a pretty deep footprint in that space, you know?
0: Yeah. That makes sense, then.
1: Yeah.
0: It, I'm no longer hearing a lot of people talking about how best to use Twitter. Mm. I'm sure there are lots, but at least like guests I've been having on my show recently and have been talking about LinkedIn and Instagram and not really about Twitter. And like, I'll share my episodes on Twitter, but Mm -hmm. I'm not really active there.
1: Right. Yeah, I, I, I
0: read stuff there, but. I'm not really contributing or engaging and that's, that's yeah. not great, you know? No,
1: no, no, no. I, I I get it. It's, it's, it's such a, I'd say a tumultuous media market uh, when you're on Twitter. So mm-hmm. I, I would say that the only business verticals that seem to truly get impacted uh, by Twitter are entertainment mm-hmm. and uh, finance and entertainment sports and then finance. Yes. And Um, The financial world definitely is still very active on Twitter. And so those would be kind of the three business verticals. But what I also find is if you go to any newsroom in the country, they'll have some tool. Every journalist will have some tool that allows them to monitor what's happening online. And if you notice, in every publication online, they don't share Instagram posts. They don't share LinkedIn posts. They share tweets. They share tweets. And and so and that's because it's the it from a Twitter was so smart in getting that technological footprint baked into third-party validation sources. Mm-hmm. Uh, same thing with conference organizers. If you go to a conference uh, conference company, they will be monitoring Twitter to decide whether they'll have you as a speaker. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's really kind of interesting. So that's kind of where I still see it having legs.
0: True. That makes sense. Yeah. I actually have a podcasting friend who tweets about sports, and his tweets have been picked up a few times by SportsCenter. Yeah. Yeah. So it's pretty cool.
1: Yeah. No, that's exactly what I'm talking about. I mean, yeah. if for, if, but, you know, that's that kind of like rough and tumble Twitter world of uh, back and forth, like for a sports personality mm-hmm. is is not something that executives really want to entertain right. oh. um, you know they don't have the time uh, to do it it's more that they do if, if a journalist is looking for that for, for a story they it's important that they that individuals get recognized there that's kind of what I found is the most the the utility there.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. So that leads me into another question I have, which is how much does our online reputation matter when it comes to our business?
1: It's, it's an amazing, I, I you know, I, when we when I started the business, I came from the world of kind of advertising digital media. So I was, I was working for a very large advertising group. And what I had noticed is whilst We were spending millions of dollars on media and digital media for our customers or for our clients. Uh, There was this kind of miss that executives were doing very little they themselves. And in fact, every once in a while, we would have a a a customer that you'd see them posting all the time. And what I noticed was the engagement levels with executives that were actually putting themselves out there. At the time, you know, in two thousand 12, it was like 50 times greater than any brand. And the brand, you'd be spending a ton of money to build up the audience, whereas organic growth for an executive was just huge. And so what I I often like to kind of explain to to brands, I mean, it, it was kind of a theory perhaps when I started the business, but it's very much kind of a practice today, which is that, the relationship between executives and brands or enterprises has shifted. Whereas, you know, maybe back in 2010, one could have said that if you worked for a big company, like a Coke or a Pepsi, that would be enough. Kelly, you could say, I'm Kelly, I work at Coca-Cola. And everyone go, ooh, that's impressive, (laughs) Right. you know, right? But today, the relationship is really not that you're just part of this kind of faceless, nameless orb. It's that you have, you as an individual are kind of sitting alongside that brand. So the brand remains extremely important, has to be protected and grown, et cetera. However, brands that don't allow their executives to dimensionalize or be more transparent with the way they tell their story suffer. And so we definitely saw many examples of that. Um, during the pandemic Uh, if you remember in the first year of the pandemic that first summer there was a lot of social unrest in the U.S. and some brands did what I would say that probably older school comms people would have advised which is don't do anything get off the internet close everything down we don't know what to do right you can't do that today you can't do that today and and and, you know, the ones that were successful were sometimes telling very bad news, right? I mean, at that, at that time, you know, we were also having layoffs. Companies were having layoffs, et cetera. And I remember how the, the founder of Airbnb, Brian Chesky, was actually praised uh, for how he handled the layoffs, how he communicated, how he talked about it, how he was explaining things. And it was... It's just, there's a level of transparency now that's expected uh, from executives and and kind of a new form of leadership, I would say.
0: That's great. So things really did change during the pandemic. I mean, we moved pretty much everything online for so many business during lockdown. Mm -hmm. So what effect do you think that this had on online presence?
1: Uh, it's a great question. If you and I had spoken, Kelly, in March of 2020, I probably <laughs> was like lying on the floor of a darkened room contemplating the meaning of life. <laughs> <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you know, like, um, what am I doing?
0: What, how am I going to get through this? Yeah, like,
1: how did we get here? I can't believe I'm living through a global pandemic. How are we going to survive as a company you know people were so uncertain and 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 many customers were clearly fearful right you know they didn't know if they would not have a job or what would happen and so we actually we we had we actually kind of had a a kind of a convening of the leadership team of canary and almost went into a bit of a war room mode of like well what are we going to do how are we going to shift etc and whilst we were doing that whole process april and may things started to change people mm-hmm. naturally started to evolve into this much more digital hybrid structure mm-hmm. and our business accelerated like in in a way that was uh, we'd never expected you know we we were already a fast growing company but we went from maybe growing by 30, 40% a year to growing 100, 200% a year. Wow. I mean, the business went bananas. Uh, so uh, we've actually been on that Inc. 5000 list for the last five years in a row. Mm-hmm. And I think we've actually sped up our growth dramatically over the last two years. So wow. um, so that actually raised a whole different set of challenges, not really survival challenges, but how do you manage growth? How do you hire during a pandemic? How do you build a culture? How do you maintain a culture in a pandemic? Um, How do you evolve that culture? Because what we found was, um, we had a lot of things that were office based in our culture, you know, we would have these meetings where we'd have everyone together, and we would have lunch together and yada, yada, yada. And, and all that became irrelevant, you know, Mm -hmm. so we had to figure out like, okay, well, some of those things could be replicated right like we could send uber eats to everybody you know so we did things like that we had to be careful we did a we, we got rid of our our longer term leases um and we went into a structure where uh, i did a deal with a global company called spaces where we where we got basically hub offices in new york and spain and the uk and sydney australia and miami But uh, we gave all of our employees access to spaces offices. So wherever they lived, Um, we also were able to hire much more broadly. So strangely enough, like geographic diversity, um, we're not just hiring in the New York area anymore. We started hiring people from, you know, Tennessee, North Carolina, a ton of people in St. Louis, you know, we have, it's, it's quite amazing how we've, we've seen the the team expand but also expand geographically so since
0: they don't have to go into an office every yeah day.
1: yeah and it's a funny one because i'll be honest i'm I, as as progressive as i like to wish i am i i'm kind of an old school guy i i i really love to see people and to go grab a coffee with them and and um you know, I, I like I like being in offices. It, there's mm-hmm. something about the office and office culture that I I think I I came up with in my career, and I I definitely miss in this kind of hybrid or uh, virtual structure. Yeah. However, I am very aware that we have to invent a new model because th- that idea that you can force people back. Mm-hmm. Is so retrograde, and even if it will work, by the like, there will be companies that will succeed in forcing their teams back. I see it happening with uh, some of the larger law firms in New York and the larger investment banks in New York. They're they're heavy handed. You know, they basically are like, listen, you listen, kids, we pay you a lot of money to be under our thumbs, so better yeah. you better get back there. Yeah, because there I, are
0: a lot of people who want your job.
1: Yeah. So they're, you know, they they basically are saying, like, this is the way it's always been. And this is the way it's going to be. However, I don't know if the best talent will want that. You know, and I I don't know if the talent I want will want that. Right. So, so I, I think that that's kind of what I'm wrestling with. I mean, I'm not looking for people that want to be under the under my thumb. We're looking for people that are are uh, lateral thinkers. We want people that work hard but don't necessarily need to be told to work hard, right? I mean that's the that's the I think the thing that I find so archaic about going back to that old structure, which is mm-hmm. like what do you what do you need? You need to like hover over them to make sure they're doing their work? What's the really? Is that really what you need to do? Yeah. So.
0: Yeah. That makes sense. There, yeah, there are so many benefits that come from a hybrid model or even remote work model. You know, if you're hiring people in St. Louis and Tennessee, and they can't go into an office at all, you know, you've really expanded your pool of excellent uh, workers, excellent team members. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That's the way I look at it. But I mean, that being said, you know we have a great hr team and one of the the one of the things that our head of hr said is look you know we can be a, we can be virtual however we have to also be very conscious that there are people that don't have good or safe or constructive places to work at home and right. so and so when we did the deal with spaces one of the parts of it was that it, even if you're in tennessee you have access to a spaces in Tennessee. There's like four thousand spaces offices around the country. So oh, wow. So we so they can they still have an office if they want to. Okay. But they we don't force them to right. That's like great. it's it's up to them. You know. Mm. It's it's uh, I call it kind of a uh, it, my philosophy on it is called you a a U- led enterprise. You know, and I don't want to tell you how to. You, work. You know, you, we all know the work's got to get done. I, you you know, you want to do it on a park bench, go for it. Right. Right.
0: (laughs) Yeah. As long as it gets done. Exactly. Yeah. So how much control do we actually have over our online reputation? I mean, you know, we're, we're in control of what we post on social media. And if we have, you know, if we're, an, an entrepreneur, you know, like at a lower level, lower, mm-hmm. you know what I mean, than a top executive or something, you know, we're, we have our own websites. So we're in control of all of that, but we don't have total control.
1: Well, I mean, a great, of like uh, of yeah. our reputation. Yeah, it's a great question. So, I mean, when, when the, the reputation online reputation space really started um, I'd say about Four or five years before I started Canary. Uh, and, and but the original industry was very focused around search and what 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 would come up when someone did a search for Kelly, right? Mm-hmm. And um and managing those results. And there were some companies that basically were doing not so perhaps not the most ethical things. You know, they were creating a lot of uh, you know, really millions if not billions of fake links to kind of influence the Google algorithm to control search listings mm-hmm. Google's gotten much much more clever uh, over over the years yes and and so you really can't do those types of things to influence it yeah. um, they however, pretty much
0: count just high quality backlinks at this, yeah, point. At this and they at even this ding point. you for really correct backlinks
1: yeah correct but i mean I just remember it, it, it was such a it was such an interesting situation where companies were just literally building millions of backlinks, and there were also some horrible stories of I think JC Penney's had done that and it, they mm. got caught, and you know, yeah. so there was it was a lot of a lot of uh, stories over the years about that type of stuff. Yeah. However, you know, your question is really about how much control you have. Mm -hmm. You do have control of making sure that you own your information as much as you possibly can, i.e. you can register your name on different um, platforms, you Mm -hmm. can, uh, you can uh, build out a personal web page right, you can uh, also uh, be very aware of the fact that content has an impact in terms of the topics that you as an individual are going to be associated with so. Um, doing a podcast or a webcast with Kelly is a good thing. (laughs) Right. 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 So these types of things that like what we're doing is, is important and um, making sure that it's kind of fresh and uh, done on a regular basis also impacts your presence. So there's a lot of things you can do. What you can't do is if you get caught up in a scandal and something horrible happens, you know, yes, uh, the the authority that the Wall Street Journal will have is going to be higher than anything you could probably have. However, however, it probably won't be higher than your LinkedIn page. Mm. It probably won't be higher than your Twitter results, Mm. you know, so you'll find that in your first 10 listings on search, Mm -hmm. you really want to be owning certain channels as much as possible to be able to tell your story. That's true. I, I kind of talk about it as like a for better or for worse, you know, mm-hmm. it's like a marriage thing, right? So it's like for better or for worse, um, for better, if think if you're crushing it in life, you want to be able to make sure you're managing your story, because um, it's it's really going to be where you're going to see the opportunities. If you have challenges, if something bad happens, you really want to own your presence at that point so that other people don't tell your story, right, right. that you're able to tell it.
0: Unless you're Tony Hayward and Deepwater Horizon, then no amount of owning your platforms is gonna overcome every media, yeah, you know. Look, every I mean, I, I have out. a lie. I, one, of, one
1: of one of our sayings at Canary is, you know, um, we make we we make good people look spectacular. Yeah. Like we don't make bad people look good, we make good people look spectacular. Because, you know, bad people are bad people. And you know. I I can't, you know, we've had those people contact us where they're like, well, I, you know, I sexually harassed somebody in my office. Can, can you help me with that? And, and, you know, we sit there going like, no, (laughs) no, no, I can't help you with that.
0: No, you are not (laughs) one of our clients. Yes,
1: exactly. Sorry, not
0: sorry. Yeah,
1: exactly. So, I mean, it's, so no, I mean, There probably are actors out there that still probably would do some of that. But, um, you know, the biggest thing I think that we would would care about in that terms would be kind of fraudulent information that gets out there about you or fake information. And that's where if you've seen in Europe, uh, there's a uh, in Europe, they have something called the right to be forgotten, um, which allows allows you to basically petition Google to take things off of Ah. search results for you. So if they're incorrect, right. Mm -hmm. So, or if they're damaging your ability to live or be a professional in any way. So, you know, if you get divorced and your, your ex partner posts nasty things and, you know, Mm -hmm. that have damaged you, um, you know, in a in a in a way that's not a pro, not not accurate, it can be it can be removed. The mm-hmm. Europeans are a little bit more forward thinking than uh, we are here in the states about that type of stuff in terms yeah. of privacy. Yeah. I think that uh, certainly the U.S. is try, is following that primarily by following California's laws. California kind of dictates the laws that many you know good half percent 50 percent of the u.s will follow in terms of those types of issues and the major and the major kind of economic centers of like new york will be impacted by the california rules
0: yeah true so what are your top tips for building a strong online presence that ideally will lead to a positive reputation online
1: yeah, I mean, the first thing is to just kind of be, be aware of the fact that you have a presence. So, you know, go out there and look yourself up and, you know, you may find lots of different things. You may find out that there's actually not much. Mm-hmm. And that's equally bad because mm-hmm. of the things that we've just spoken about, which is if you want to have a career, you got to be aware that people that are recruit executive recruiters, conference organizers, journalists, they're looking people up, and if they don't find anything, that's not a good thing either. So, you know, the first thing would be to own own your kind of profiles as much as possible. Make sure you have a LinkedIn, your Twitter, your professional Facebook, you know, those different types of channels. Second thing would be uh, to start thinking about how you want to make sure that they're consistent. And then the third thing would be how you want to start thinking about actually crafting a voice of some sort i would say that you know when people when people hear all of the things that i say they'll go like oh that's so much stuff how can i do all of that i don't have time i barely have time to do my job mm-hmm. and that's probably where kind of companies like canary come in we We certainly make it easy for folks, but I would say that there's probably some of that basic thing that you're talking about, Kelly, you can do your, you you could do, you could go build those presences out and you'd be okay. Mm -hmm. Uh, You might not really optimize it. You're certainly not going to make the most of it and you're still, not going to protect yourself from all situations. But um, so I, I think that that would be my first step, build out that presence and then think about maybe one of those channels one of them that you think you could be more consistent on, on a regular yeah. basis as a starting yeah. point. And then that's, call me.
0: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. That's really key. That is like the common advice is to pick one platform that you can commit to and work on consistently every week and ideally yeah. a few times a week you know you can't really post just once a week it needs to be a few times a week and and develop a strong presence on one platform to start with yeah yeah, yeah. so what do you do at canary what do I do? What does the com- <laughs> what does the company do? Sorry, what does the company do? Well, what kind of so, services?
1: Yes, of course. So, I mean, we as as you outlined, you know, we work with executives to manage and optimize and grow their online presence. And what that really means is that we will evaluate what their what the footprint looks like today online. We'll then uh, work with the executive to build up kind of a thought leadership strategy, i.e. to generate short form and longer form content of which we have a a machine learning engine as well as a team of editors that work to draft that content and push that out, supporting customers to, to, to push that information out. And then we grow the audiences with the specific groups that those executives really want to build their influence with what I mean by that is we're not really in the business of creating celebrities Mm -hmm. I mean some of our customers over the years have become business celebrities but Mm -hmm. uh that really wasn't that wasn't the goal uh it's it's and I don't it's not the goal of most people most people really just want to be respected in their industry they really Mm -hmm. want uh, and they want to be able to have uh, a, a, an ability to have a voice in that industry. I think um, uh, that, that's kind of a key thing. And so that's, that's what we're aiming to do is give people a voice with the audiences that matter to them.
0: That's great. Oh, I love that. Give yeah. people a voice with the audiences that matter to them. Love yeah. that. Yeah, Perfect.
1: Yeah. I worked so, in advertising. So I have all these little, little, these, you know, my, my, my team always is like, how do you, Where are these in your brain? <laughs> it's like, I, yes. I don't know. I grew up writing these things. Yeah. So.
0: Yeah. So it just <laughs> happens. It comes yeah. to you. Absolutely. So do you also work then with, you know, entrepreneurs who aren't big executives at a company?
1: Yeah, it's so the great question. So uh, I would say about 50% of our customers are uh, would call them like accelerated growth businesses. Um, mm-hmm. They're kind of small to medium sized businesses that um, are are kind of getting going. And, and for those folks, this type of stuff really matters. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, help, it It actually has a big impact on their ability to raise money. And so we definitely work with those folks what i what we tend to not work with are like mom and pop uh stores so like the you know the pizza or the the restaurant or the delicatessen down the street yeah. we we tend not to work with those groups yeah.
0: that makes sense awesome yeah. and how can people find canary
1: oh uh well definitely uh go to dot com for sure and you can sign up for a an a, a scan or an analysis of your existing online presence. And so one of our analysts will contact you to go through that with you. But you also can reach me uh, there there are, I don't think there are other bants on LinkedIn. So look me up on LinkedIn, uh, BantBreen and, and and um uh I'm happy to happy to chat with you. Awesome.
0: Thank you so much. And thank you for being here today. This is a great conversation.
1: Yeah, thanks, Kelly. It's been great.
0: Awesome.